0: Welcome to Mishnah Yomi. This is Shlomo Schwartz. And today we begin a new Masechta, Masechta Psachim. Just uh, by way of introduction, the um, Masechta that we are in is in uh, Seder Moed, following Masechta Shabbos and Erevin. And in terms of the order, the Rambam, in his introduction to the Seder Vishnayis, explains that being that Psachim was the first in the order of the Moadim, given to us in the Parshas of Moadim, immediately following Shabbos. Uh, And it is also something that was given to us uh, in Mitzrayim. Uh, Therefore, it is mentioned first in the order of the Moadim, immediately following Shabbos. Now in terms of why the Masechta is called Psachim, in the plural, uh, there are a couple of explanations I've seen given. One is, interestingly, the Me'iri explains that at the time of the Ge'onim, which was during the 6th to 8th century era, around that time, uh, the Masechta was actually studied in two sections. There was one section that dealt with the halachas of chametz, Matzah, and the laws and customs of the Seder night, and another section that dealt with the sacrifice, sacrificial offerings of the carbon Pesach. And since it was studied in two sections, it got the name Pesach Rishon Pesach Sheni, it got the name Psachim, which is plural, referring to both sections of the Mesechta. Uh, additionally, there are some who suggest that because there is Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, in that if a person does not bring his korban on Pesach itself, he has tashlumin, he has the ability to bring it on Pesach Sheni, Uh, That's another reason why the Masechta is called Masechta Psachim. So that gives us a little bit of a a flavor as to the positioning of the Masechta and the name of the Masechta. In terms of just a general overview of what the Masechta deals with, um, as we mentioned, the Masechta deals with the halachas of chametz and Matzah. Uh, It also deals with the carbon Pesach and deals with the um, customs, laws and customs of the Seder night. In terms of chametz, and that's really what the meshechah is going to start with, being that the halachos relating to chametz begin already before Pesach, because we have to get rid of the chametz before Pesach, and that's why the meshechah starts with the bedikah. There are a number of different isurim relating to chametz. Number one, chametz um, on Pesach and even on Erev Pesach after Chatzos is um, or earlier actually, after then after Chatzos, is Asr be You're not allowed to eat Chametz. In addition, Chametz is also Asr be You're not allowed to benefit or have pleasure from it. And thirdly, uh, there's a strict uh, law of Layerol Chametz that you're not allowed to have Chametz in your possession. So, unlike many of the other Isurim. Where you're just simply not allowed to eat it or maybe not have enough from it, chametz is very very strict. As a result, the Chachamim uh, because it is strict in that you're not allowed to have chametz in your house and also because chametz is a an Isur, unlike other Isurim where it's not usur all the time. chametz is only usur during the period of Pesach whereas the rest of the year be both before and after Pesach, it's Mutter so the term used in Chazal is Lobadila In shemine. Uh, people are not separated from the chametz. They're used to, they're in the habit of eating chametz. And therefore, the chachamim were very, very strict and required that all remnants of chametz be eradicated from the house and a bedikah needs to be done. It's actually based on a mitzvah in the Torah. The Torah says, Tashbisu, Sormi Mugbiteichem, that you should get rid of all the Soor from your house. The mitzvah of Tashbisu, is a machlokas, exactly how your mekayim tashbisu. We're not going to get into that. I'm just giving a general uh, overview as to the beginning of the Masechta and the Easter of Chametz. So let's begin. First Mishnah, L'Ar Ba'asar, the evening of the 14th, meaning the evening before the 14th day of Nisan, is a Ha'chametz, you search for the Chametz La'or Haner, to the light of a candle. Now, the bedikah that is done uh, is midrabanan mina If a person does bitul, which is to nullify any chametz in his possession, which is what we do actually before the bedikah and also after the pure chametz, then that is enough. Because if the if the chametz in your possession is not yours, you're not over on layirah velayimatzeh. However. The Chachamir were mesakin, ebedika, and there are two reasons given in the him. Rashi says the reason is that you should not be over bal yiroah So that if you were to find a piece of chametz on Pesach, even if you nullified it before Pesach, but you may find a, a good, juicy piece of chametz and it may appeal to you on Pesach and it may entice you, and you may for that moment decide that You want to have this piece of chametz in your house for whatever reason. You want to hold on to it. So that will um, eradicate the effect of your bitul. Because since bitul is something that is based on your thoughts of your heart, you can change that. And by doing that, you would be over on Balei Roa, Balei on Pesach. That is the concern according to Rashi, and that's why... The that you should search for the chametz and get rid of it, so you don't have that issue on Pesach. Tosfes, on the other hand, disagrees with Rashi and holds that the reason for Badika is that you shouldn't have it in the house, not because you shouldn't be over on Baal Yeroyah, Baal but so that you shouldn't come to eat it on Pesach. Uh, for whatever reason, whether you learn Rashi or tosfus, the Chachemah were mesach and badikah's chametz, and they were mesach it the evening of the 14th. Um, why in the evening? So the Gemara explains that, A, that was a practical time because most people are home in the evening after a day's work, they're home, so they're available to do the badikah. And number two, there is an inyan of doing the badikah in front of a candlelight and because a candle shines uh, clearer during the nighttime in the dark than it would during the day, it doesn't have much of an impact during the day. So the Kharamasakin for those two reasons that the Badika be done at night, the night before the night of the fourteenth. Nevertheless, even though the second reason of the light shining brighter during the dark would seem to indicate that if you did not do a badika at night and you did it the next morning the day of the 14th, that you would not need a candle. The Chacham or Mesaq and the Bedikah, that it should be done with a candle, regardless of whether you're doing it at night or during the day. Um, going back to the Mishnah, so the evening of the 14th, we do the Bedika, we search for chametz to the light of a candle. One more point of observation, the Mishnah starts off referring to the evening of the 14th with the word Or, rather than um, Leil, uh, or Erev, referring to the evening, and some of the commentaries explain that because we are beginning a Masechta, the Masechta wanted to start off with a positive uh, term, rather than use darkness, the Mishnah used a Lashon of Ur to begin the Masechta with a positive uh, term Komokom Machnisen the Mishnah tells you a rule in terms of wanting to determine where you need to search for chametz, where you don't need to search for chametz, says the Mishnah, any place where you do not generally bring chametz ain't tzarech bidika. you are not required to search for chametz in such places so the, the Mishnah therefore asks the question, we know that there is a be'silol that if someone has a wine cellar, there's a machlokis as to which barrels of wine, how far into the cellar does one have to uh, search for chametz and if we're saying now that places that you do not take chametz into, you do not need to do a Padika, why would why would there be machlokas regarding a wine cellar which people do not bring chametz into? Says the Mishnah, velama amru. And why did we say shte shuros two rows in a cellar, that there's a machlokas Bishama b'shillal? How far in height and width and length do you have to search uh, the barrels in the cellar? says the Mishnah, We're talking about a cellar where occasionally chametz is brought into the cellar. For example, uh, you're sitting at the meal and you run out of wine or you want to bring a, a variety, a selection of wine and you send somebody down to the cellar and the person has some bread or some food in his hands and that causes crumbs or food to be left in the cellar. That is the type of cellar we're referring to. But in Achanami, if in fact we're dealing with a cellar where you do not take chametz into, you would not have to do a pedikas chametz. In regard to the cellar, there's a As I mentioned, Beshama Omer Beshama says shte shures apnei kol is machmer as to how far you need to inspect, and he says it's two rows across the entire uh, width and breadth of the cellar. says Shayneel He says it's the two rows, only the two rows that are in the front, towards the top, that face the ceiling. There's a Machlokis and the Gemara, exactly what Beshame means and Beishilo means. But for the purposes of understanding the Mishnah, suffice it to say that they argue over how far in you have to inspect the cellar. And the main point of the Mishnah is to tell you that only cellars in which you um, Occasionally you may bring in chametz, are you obligated to inspect? Otherwise you would not have to inspect it. That ends Mishnah Aleph. Mishnah Beis. Says the Mishnah, how far do you need to be concerned with regard to inspecting? Um, If you have a house with many rooms, or if you have a number of houses, uh, you start in one room, do you need to be concerned that after you complete the inspection of one of the rooms that a mole or a weasel or some kind of an animal that was common during that time might actually drag a piece of bread from a room or an area that was not inspected into a room that you already inspected? So how far do we need to be concerned? Says the Mishnah, You do not need to be concerned. Shema, maybe, gerera chulda. A uh, holder, a weasel or a mole dragged a piece of chametz from a house to a house or or from a place to a place even within a house, dim cane because if you 're going to have to suspect that far then you would need to suspect from a yard to another yard and from a city to another city, being that people do not inspect the chametz at the same exact time. So if your neighbor happens to inspect it after you or before you and the timing is not exactly right and you have to suspect that an animal like a mole or a weasel would drag chametz from one place to another then there would be no end to our suspect our suspicion and there'd be no end to how much or how many times we'd have to inspect the homes and therefore it's not practical um, and not possible to uh, satisfy uh, this type of a concern, and it's a far-fetched concern, and therefore the Mishnah says um, you do not have to be choshish for it. You don't have to suspect for for such a such a thing, because in mechotzer lechotzer that you would have to be suspicious that it may go from yard to yard or from city to city, and in that case ein ladov there would be no end to how many times you would have to do the Padika. Um, This is the end of our first two Mishnayas. We look forward to continuing with you. Mishneh Gimel. Thank you.